Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here and have you here. And so uh, I'm going to be uh, kind of wrapping up our uh, series here on Christ-mindedness and, um, or having the mind of Christ. And, um, and to kind of set up this morning, I want to go back to, uh, there was a, a funeral that I did uh, a, many, many years ago, and a large funeral, and uh, people had all of these wonderful things to say about this guy. And he really was a very good guy, accomplished many, many things. I remember there were uh, a bunch of uh, pictures uh, where he was like with famous people or very influential people. And, and it was just amazing all of the things that he had done um, and uh, had represented the Christian community well, like all of these things. And I remember going through the funeral and uh, even after hearing people talk about it, just like, man, what a wonderful guy. He must have had a wonderful life. And just they, they had this idea of that he must have experienced all of this in a fantastic way. Uh, but it landed very different for me because, um, and you have to roll the clock back three months before this because of how I actually first met this guy and ended up doing his uh, funeral is uh, I was in the office and got a message that someone had called and wanted me to do their funeral, which... Uh, so uh, through the years, right, uh, there's been lots of moments where there's been someone who said, just, you know, like, you know, someday I'd like for you to do my funeral. Um, but this was someone called and wants you to do their funeral and would like to schedule it, which seemed a bit strange. And so when I called him back, kind of understood the whole story behind it, that he uh, had a very rare lung condition and actually knew that he had just like right at about three months uh, to live. And I did not know him well. He hadn't been going uh, here at Casas uh, very long. And so I went over to his house uh, to meet him. And at first, I, like, I found myself being like very impressed. Like he had these plaques and pictures and all of these things. But then as he started to talk through all of it, I could tell that he was, he was sad and frustrated and, and even a little angry. And not over, not over the fact that like, he knew that he had a very limited time to live. Like we would all understand that. But what he started to be able to articulate and express was this kind of profound emptiness uh, relationally that he felt. In fact, there was one moment where he, he even asked me, like, I, do you think my kids love me? Do you think, and of course, I didn't, I didn't know his kids and I barely knew him. And as we talked through this, it just, it, you could see that he had come to a place in his life where because of what he was facing, it was allowing him to look back on a life that, that so many of us would look at and go, that is a, a good life. That is a successful life. He, right, he achieved so many things, right? And, you know, like he, he must have like loved his life, right? But it, and it's not that all the things that he achieved, like there was something wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, nothing at all wrong with being a type A, highly motivated, achievement-oriented kind of person, because he was that, right? But there was a cost somehow in how he built his life that left him at this place where like he just, he felt this deep, deep emptiness. And, and, and I'll say this too, and, and I bet some of you would be able to relate to this as well. You know, uh, over the years, I've had lots of opportunities to talk with people that are maybe like near the end of their life, like because of whatever happened or whatever. And you know, 
I can't think of a single time, and maybe it's happened, but I can't think of a single time that someone has shared a regret over wishing they would have achieved more. That they would have, they would have worked harder and gotten a particular promotion or a particular award or something like that. Just, I, I can't think of a time I've ever heard anyone express that. But it's countless times that I've heard people talk about, I wish I would have spent more time with this person or that person. Like the thing we as human beings most often express, like if we are at that deeply reflective place looking back on our lives, is something relational. And I think it's because God created us to be deeply relational creatures. That's just like, right? We, it's, it's that thing that we feel. And yet we, uh, we live in a world where we see all of these things to, to, uh, that we want to do or go after uh, voices that pull us in certain directions. And again, like a lot of this is like, can be really good stuff. It's just, we can get lost in that sometimes and miss that maybe the way we're building our life, we might look back on and go, you know, if I could have this perspective, I might do things a little differently. And I share this story and share this with you because, you know, the holidays become a, a profoundly busy time of the year, right? We get caught up in all the things we need to do and all the lists and everything that we need. It, in some ways, it can be a microcosm of what life as a whole can be when we get pulled into all the busyness and all of the things that we feel like we need to do or achieve or uh, get done. And, and there's something about Philippians that we're going to look at this morning in the first uh, chapter that where you see Paul uh, l- help us see this differently. And, and the first thing that I want you to think about is Paul himself, he, he was like, if, if you know anything about his story, like he was a type A driven, achievement oriented kind of person, right? If there was anyone you look at and go, man, this guy, like he wants to get stuff done. That was Paul. And yet he says there's this interesting thing that he does where he understands this issue and how we're wired. And there's something, there's something about his relationship with Christ that allowed him to still be that type A driven, achievement oriented kind of person. And yet build in this relational piece that I want us to see uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter uh, one. And I'm going to read uh, verses three through uh, eight here. And I want you to just think about the relational qualities that he's speaking to that, that come out in this. He says this, um, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse seven, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Um, he does something really unique here. Like he's, this is a letter that he's writing to a particular group of people uh, at this church. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want us to just 
look at three questions that get lifted right out of this passage, right out of the text, that we can lift these three questions. And, and the reason I'm, I'm gonna put them in the form of a question is because I want it to be, I want you to be able to do something with it, more than just learn something. I want you to be able to take these three questions and ponder them, ask these questions, and just see if it doesn't reshape um, how you go about building your life. And you may go after and, and there be things that you want to do and get done or achieve, and that is wonderful. But I wonder if asking these questions that come out of this passage, that you will go after them in a little bit different way that I hope, and, here, and here's my hope for all of this, that will have you at a place that when you look back on your life someday, you will experience something very different than what that guy experienced when I was sitting in his living room and just and like talking through his life and everything. I hope that you experience something more akin to what uh, Paul is writing here in this moment because this is kind of unique. Paul was in a similar place as this guy was that I did the funeral for. Paul has been arrested, he is in prison, and he knows that more than likely, he is not long for this world, that he's going to be executed for his faith. And, and we get to see him reflecting back and he writes this beautiful letter uh, to this group of people at this church that he had started uh, some 13 years uh, earlier in this. So um, let's, let's, I, I wanna just take some time and walk through these uh, three questions and then we can kind of just apply them as we uh, go here. So the first question comes out of, uh, verse three here, and he says this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. So here's the question. Here's the question to take and, and ponder uh, this week and, and moving forward, and it's this. Uh, who are you building memories with? Who are you building memories uh, with in all of this? Um, you know, when Paul says, like, I have all of these memories, like every time I remember you, it's because... There are specific people that he can think back on specific circumstances that he has memories of in all of this. And what's kind of cool is we know some of these uh, from another book in the New Testament, the book of Acts, that actually tells us part of the story of when Paul shows up at this place. So uh, Paul being this, and uh, he was an achiever. I mean, he like, he was an achiever. He set out and he's like, I'm going to spread the gospel to, you know, all of these people, this massive uh, non-Jewish community throughout the world. And he even had kind of his business plan. Uh, you know, there's not a place where Paul says, and this is my, you know, uh, my ministry plan, it, you know, a version of a, a business plan. Uh, but we see what it was. He would travel into a city. The first thing he would do is he would find the synagogue because th uh, the people there, they would understand the Old Testament scriptures and he would begin teaching uh, out of the Old Testament scriptures in a way that would begin to lift up and let them see who Jesus was. And out of reaching uh, 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 part of the Jewish population in the synagogue there, there was like this built-in leadership structure and influence and other teachers. And out of that, he would build a church and then this church would begin to influence the city. It's like a great plan. So he's doing this and he's traveling along until he gets to Philippi. And when he gets to Philippi, he shows up at this city and this is a very Greek, very Roman city and there's no synagogue, right? He shows up and it's like, hmm, right? And so the first thing he does 
Uh, and you can read this on your, I think it's uh, in chapter 16 of the book of, of Acts. You can read it on your, maybe not right now, but later on your own, you can uh, read it. Um, so he just, he just finds out where like, maybe there's like, where is there like a group of Jews that are even like getting together to the pray? I'll, I'll try and start there. And he goes and it's and near one of the city gates, there was this river. And so he goes to this place and he finds some Jews there, but uh, in a kind of serendipitous way, like just like God's guidance, but in an unexpected way that just kind of flowed through the circumstances, he ends up meeting this uh, woman who is Roman, who isn't even Jewish. Her name is Lydia, and she becomes a follower of Christ. And then her whole family becomes a follower of Christ. And uh, Paul, it's like he's referencing back to the very beginning, and he has these specific memories, and he's like, you know, I remember Lydia and her family, right? And there's this thing where he actually built this church um, out of the influence of Lydia and these others. Like, like he has memories of, of these people. And, and this becomes really important. In fact, he goes on in verse four and he says this. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, he says. Like, I, like man... You know, Lydia, do you remember, you remember when you didn't know anything about Christ and then you became a Christian and you went and you, you know, you're telling your family about, you know, there's this Jewish rabbi who's doing this kind of sort of, but not sort of Jewish thing. And I think we should join this and like, and you see that they're, they're like, why? And just, but it brings him like this great joy as he's thinking back on these memories. Um, and it unfolds even further. Uh, part of the story that I love, again, that you can uh, read in Acts is... Soon after uh, this, uh, Paul goes and he just like, because there's no synagogue. So he goes and just like preaches like in a public uh, area within, the, uh, within Philippi. And uh, people don't like this very much. They, this, they, they, it's like kind of subversive or whatever. So they arrest him. And just to kind of drive the point, uh, the point home that like, we don't want you doing this. They beat him up. I mean, they beat him with an inch of his life. He and another uh, guy that was traveling with him, uh, Silas. And then they throw him in jail. And then we get like this. Uh, and again, you should go back and read it. It's a fast, it's kind of a swashbuckling story, okay? As they have the opportunity to do a jailbreak and they don't. And it's the most unlikely thing that happens. And out of this, the, of all people, of all people, the jailer becomes a Christian. And the church at Philippi, right, breaks every norm of what Paul was trying to do. And he builds a church from a Roman woman and a Roman jailer and their families. And it's like, these are people that, that he picked and, and built this church out of. And he's got these beautiful memories in this. And the reason I bring this up is because if God made us to be relational uh, people, relational creatures... Have you ever noticed how sometimes it's easy to just like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And we can begin investing less time in the relationships and more times and just, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. And yet when Paul's looking back in this moment, like the thing that he pulls out of this is, man, the memories. And it's the memories of the people, Right? In fact, he doesn't even tell us the story here. Like you can go read the book, you know, you can read it in Acts. I don't, I don't think Acts was even written yet, but he, uh, it's the people. And so my question is like, for a moment, imagine yourself, because this is the opportunity that we're afforded. 
to actually think about someday when I think back on this time, who are the people that I, I would want to have memories with? Who are the people that I'd say that, like, I, I want to get to know that person more. I want to spend more time, whatever I'm seeking to do or achieve, or, or they're the people that I want to create those memories with. So the application on this is really simple. It's like, make some choices and then make some plans, right? And the choices are who, who. And, and the reason this is important is because it's easy for all of these different voices in our lives to begin pulling us in different directions. And we can inadvertently begin uh, spending time with people and, and on just doing things that aren't the people that we would pick to want to create memories with. I bet right now, if I say, like, who, name three people that you, would, that you love your memories of that person. Is it that person in the future? Is it someone else? Like, I bet we all have it. And then to actually make plans to invest in those people. And what you might find is it actually empowers you to say no to some other things in this. Because I think back sitting in the living room with that guy and I, I know he would have traded countless plaques and awards and achievements to have a few more memories with some people that, that would give him a richness of feeling connected and belonging and having relationship in that moment. And this is our opportunity to just think about it, to consider it and say, I'll make some choices and make some plans as I move forward. Now, a second question, and these questions will slowly start to uh, build on uh, each other, as you'll see. Second question comes out of verse five. Look at verse five. He says this. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And what a first day he had. Everything, you know, just uh, uh, who he met and getting thrown in jail and leading like all the, the craziness that happened. Um, but the question here on this is, who are you partnering with in the gospel? Who are you partnering with in the gospel? And, you know, and I think this is important because, uh, you know, we carry a very Western mindset because we're, we're very Western as just who we are. And that is a beautiful thing. There are wonderful things about that. Um, and one of the things out of having a very Western mindset is we think very individualistically. We think, um, and like when, when it comes to faith, we oftentimes, this is very private, very individual thing. I have my personal relationship with Jesus and that is good and wonderful, but it can cause us to be a little short-sighted maybe at times where sometimes we can miss that connection that maybe we need, like the, the, the partnership that we need or are made for in all of this. In fact, he starts like uh, verse one, he starts this off. If you look at it, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. Like he's already talking about like, here's one of those people that I'm partnered with in this, that all of us as followers of Christ, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Christ, right? There are things that you just say, you know, um, I want to grow in my faith. I would love to be a part of advancing some of the beautiful things about the kingdom of God and about more people getting to know who Christ is. Like, I, like, we, like we all have those things that we would love to see advance. It's just really easy for us at moments to think about it in like, okay, what am I going to do? 
without connecting to that to how am I partnered with other people? Because again, we were created to be relational. And I think about this, you know, we, we, there's this partnership that goes on with all of this. And I want you to think about that. Um, I think about this every single Sunday. I, like I'm, I have this partnership with other people that help to do just like some of the things that I'm trying to do. For instance, there is a camera crew that works really hard to help make things happen. And if they, if I had no partnership with them, like that would be an issue. There's a team of tech folks here that their sole job is to help with lighting. They like, and we just forget about like all the lighting that goes on. And it's just, just you know, um, and if you don't know, there's a giant board back there with lots of knobs. And, and if you don't adjust those knobs, right? You might sound kind of strange. Right? People would leave and go, I listened to a squirrel in the dark talk about the Bible, and I don't know what that squirrel was saying, right? It's just, we are partnered with one another in all of this, right? Yes, so thank you. To all those people that I get to partner with in that, right? And God made it this way, right? And here's the thing, it's not just me and some other people that are partnered together. God made us as people to be connected and partnered. And he made his church to be this kind of beautiful partnership uh, as, as we seek to like advance the gospel. And for the application on this, I want, you to, I want you to think about it in two ways. There's a kind of informal partnership that takes place and there's a kind of formal partnership that takes place. And the informal partnership on this, um, it's this thing that just happens uh, where, uh, kind of like in a serendipitous uh, way, kind of like when Paul just shows up and who knows who he talked to that uh, put him in connection with Lydia and then Lydia ends up, you know, there's a partnership between uh, her and Paul in which Paul is able to speak to her family and there's just this thing that goes on. Think about it in this way. You know, there are moments where there will be someone, this happens every single week, there'll be someone who shows up uh, here at this service and maybe it's their first time for some of them. And I like, and you may be here this morning. It's just like, I am, I don't know if the whole Jesus thing is real, but I like, I'm trying to search and I'm trying to figure this out. And, and there's someone who invited them or they got online and they were looking and trying to figure it and they showed up and suddenly they run into just randomly, right? They run into one of you here. And that next connection, like that matters. Like if we're a church that says we value acceptance, right? And love, we want people to feel that in a welcoming, warm kind of way. Think about the partnership between you and maybe a person you don't even know who invited that person. But you know, they made promises on your behalf that you didn't even know about, right? They were like, oh, this is, you're gonna feel so welcome. This is a wonderful church, I promise you. And they're like, well, I don't know. Last church I went to and just, and they, right? Everyone has like this bad story. And they invited them and that person showed up and you, without even realizing it in an informal way, the way you welcomed that person, the way you treated them, right? Uh, you partnered with them. Uh, I, I, I love this, even though it makes me a little nervous at times. There'll be moments where I'll get like a text message or a call, or I'll see someone before a service and they're like, and, and you can just tell how nervous they are. And they're like, okay, so uh, Glenn, so, you know, this person that really matters to me in my life, you know, whoever it is, like I've been inviting them for years or whatever. And it did, did. Well, today they're coming. 
is your message going to be good? Because I'm really, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I'm really like, can you put a little something extra in it? Or, you know, uh, sometimes I love it when they let me know on Saturday, right? Because they're like, you know, if you're working on your message right now, throw in an extra hour because I've got, you know, and it's this thing where, uh, but in the same way, what I love about it is, right? There's this thing where they feel the partnership in this. And this happens in all of these informal ways all of the time around here. And it's just like the Holy Spirit is involved in all of this stuff, but we are partnered together. And, and sometimes we can, we can see that partnership and we can uh, leverage it, right? So the next time like someone introduces you to someone on a Sunday morning, like I want you to think in terms of going, hey, like there's like a partnership here in this moment. There's a moment here where I, where I get to extend something that maybe this other person has extended. Or like if there's someone that you've invited and they come, make partner with other people, introduce them to someone else so that they're getting to have this deeper connection and get to know more people just in and around and in our midst in this and see what God does with it. This also happens in a formal way, right? Uh, and by that, I simply mean uh, it's where we make a deliberate uh, decision, say, I'm going to volunteer in this area. I'm, I'm going to choose to partner with other people in my church to, to serve in some way. Like there are people that are partnering with us. They're serving in our youth area and in our children's area right now, right? They're taking care of our kids and our children right now so that we can have this experience. And there's this beautiful thing that goes on in this. And so I say this to say, maybe think about the opportunities where you can partner with someone and think of it beyond just the thing that you're doing. Think of the people that you're partnering with. These are, right? Think about the relationship that is going on with this. Like a great opportunity for you here. Like, for Christmas, I can't wait to see what God's going to do through all of us as a church, through uh, our Christmas services. And if you want to partner with other volunteers, like jump in and partner with, do, like do something over the Christmas uh, season to be a part of making that rich and beautiful and see it as an opportunity to partner with other people. Uh, as you uh, do that. And by the way, and if you really do want to do that, seriously, after the service, go back over here and we've got some people over there and you can volunteer uh, for that because there's something really rich and beautiful about getting uh, to do that. Uh, Last question here that I want you to think about um, this uh, morning. And it comes out of verse seven. I want you to look at, uh, oh, wait a minute. I, w- I want to give you another example of this. Sorry, before I go on to the next point, I just look at my notes, <clears throat> which I should do more often sometimes. Um, uh, something we all got to experience when we came in here was uh, we've got a, one of our young volunteers in the welcome uh, ministry, uh, Katie Shago. Uh, you may not know this, but she has come for the last couple of weeks and every week she's added more to it. When we all walked in, uh, you see all of that beautiful like white script. There's like uh, uh, Bible passages on there and just like beautiful art on there. And every week she's just added a little bit more to that and a little bit more and a little bit more building towards Christmas so that all of us, as we walk in, even subtly setting a warmer, more festive uh, atmosphere 
so that we would be blessed more in this Christmas season, even as we came in and did this. And she's just partnering like in a formal way because she's a part of that ministry with other people on that team to just give of her gifts and do that. And there's all of these different ways that we get to do that. So find a way to partner with others in how we uh, move the gospel and the purposes of this uh, church forward. Okay, now back to the third question uh, on this. Um, And it uh, comes out of uh, verse seven. Look at verse seven, he says this. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, he says. And here's the third question. Uh, Who do you hold in your heart? Who do you hold in your heart? And there's a kind of pattern that goes as he flows through this. And I tried to capture this a little bit in these questions. That it starts off with this idea of like, who do you want to have memories with? Like, who are, who are the people that you want to become more intentionally engaged with um, to build those memories with? Like, foster those relationships. And then it's like, and, and you know what? Advance something with some of those people and other people within your church, like partner with them, do, do something deliberate, but not isolated from the relationship. And now when he gets down to the end, he, uh, he brings it to a, a, a much deeper sense of relationship. And remember, this is Paul. This is, uh, Paul is not, you know, the, the feely, touchy guy that's just, you know, let's just all get around and sing Kumbaya. Paul is like, let's get a plan and let's move the gospel forward. Let's start some churches. Let's do some, I mean, he, like he is, he is a goal setter and he's like, let's move forward. You know, there's time for crying later. Let's just, let's just you know. Um, and yet his words here um, are, are, are trying to get to a deeper felt sense of relationship. He even goes on, look at verse eight. He says this, God can testify how I long for all of you. And I love this with the affection, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so my question for you is, who do you hold in your heart? And when you think about who do you hold in your heart, that means who, who am I connecting with relationally that I know is cultivating the kind of relationship that has affection to it, that has a sense of connection that I like there's, I, I am, it's doing something deeper inside of me in all of this. Um, When you think about the, what's happening here with Paul, um, he comes and he begins this church in Philippi and they feel how much he is invested in them in this. They love him for it. But you know, his mission is not to just stay in Philippi. His mission is, I gotta go to the next town and I'm gonna start a church there and I'm gonna go to the next. And so he moves on. And as he's seeking to do his ministry, right? There's highs and lows in ministry. There are moments where he's feeling defeated and things aren't going well, right? This, will, this is not the first time, nor would it be the last time that Paul's gonna be arrested or beat up, right? Guess who is sending encouraging letters to Paul? Guess who has people that go and visit him when he's in jail? Guess, like, it's the Philippians. Like, they're making this relational investment in him. Like, they feel the affection for him and they treat him in a way 
that causes him to have affection for them. So as they've invested in him, they even support him in his ministry at times in financial ways. They send uh, people that go and are with him, like, you know, volunteers that go and help him. He sends this letter back. And now it's like this encouragement is, is going both ways in all of this. And there's something about that that begins developing this sense of affection uh, where we hold one another in our hearts because this is how God created us. And, and the way we do ministry, the way we build a life should never be separate from how we go about building these relationships uh, in here. So who do you hold in your heart? Um, and I wanna, I wanna encourage you to, to do this in a couple of ways. Uh, one, when you think about like, okay, I, I wanna deepen this relationship. One, if there's someone that in your life and you say, I want to deepen this relationship, be intentional about pausing and doing something that just communicates appreciation to that person, right? There's probably multiple people. And one of the things that can happen so often, and I know, and I can be guilty of this, is I can get so busy in doing all of these different things that I can forget to pause and find a way to simply appreciate someone. Uh, find ways to pause and encourage someone. Like, what are the things that you can do? And maybe do it like in unexpected ways. Um, I was reading a book here uh, recently um, about Walt Disney. In fact, it was a leadership book about Walt Disney and all the different things that Walt Disney did. And I came around this, uh, this one chapter and I never knew this about Walt. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know about Walt Disney that came out in this book, but one that I found very intriguing. Walt Disney... Uh, at night, sometimes he would sneak into the offices of the animators. They had this big section where all the animators would be. And he would go in there at night and he would go through their trash. <laughs> He'd go through their trash because, right, this is back in the days before there was computers. And picture these animators. They're, they're drawing something. They're working on something. They're like, oh, that'll never work. And they crumple it and they throw it away. And he'd go through their trash and he'd find all of the things that they had drawn up and that they had done that they, that they were just like, oh, that won't work. And then he would look at all all of this stuff. And then later in the week, like he'd be like in a creative meeting and they're working on stuff. He would start actually referencing kind of very subtly things that his animators had, be, had, had worked on. And the animators would be like, wait a minute, how, he never saw that. What, what's going on? And he used it as this way to encourage them. And then when they kind of caught on, he would say, go back to that. Like, like, you, like, I know you felt like that needed to go in the trash can, but it didn't. Let me tell you. And he brought this sense of deep encouragement in this. And there's something about that encouragement. When we find ways to encourage one another, we, de there's, we cultivate this kind of affection for one another. We develop this kind of thing where we say, I'm so glad that I'm a part of this church because this is the place, like I'm bonded to this group of people and the things that God is doing in and through us. But part of it is because this becomes a place where we feel seen. It becomes a place where we, where we know that like this is what lifts me up and moves me forward. And I get to do the same thing for others. And by the way, um, it's interesting. The whole reason... Uh, that I got that book to read it is because uh, I have this friend, Roger, who I've gotten to know over the last several years. And he is this amazing leader um, and has led uh, an organization 
so much larger uh, than this church. And so to get to spend time with someone who's like, who's never seen a budget problem, you know, that's, uh, everything he's faced is way bigger than anything I've faced. And there's just moments like, it's just really nice to know, like he's had bigger challenges, bigger problems, big, like there's nothing that rattles him. And one day he's just like, I think this would encourage you. It's a book about Walt Disney. And like, you should read this book. And it's just like, wow, what it means to have someone who just says, I, I want to encourage you. I want to invest something in your life. But what I know about him is he does this deliberately. And what I want to encourage you to do is ask these questions and be deliberate about building in relationship into what you're doing in your life. Because probably most of us will find ourselves at some place somewhere in our lives where we're going to look back. And what I want you to experience is a richness. I want you, I want you to look back and be able to write words like what Paul wrote. I want you to look back and go, man, I have memories of people, specific memories. I, I have memories of how I was partnered, how God did something and he used me and somebody else and someone else. I have affection for a group of people. Like our lives got knitted together and bonded together because of how God moved us and the things that he did in that. Because if you experience that, um, no matter how much you did or didn't achieve, you, you're going to like the life that you built. Because I also know it's possible to build a life having achieved a lot, but still experience a profound kind of emptiness. And as followers of Christ, there's no reason why we should ever right, get to the end of our lives and experience that emptiness because the thing that Christ keeps inviting us into is a deep kind of profound relationship with him and others because friends, it's how he made us. Now I'm gonna, uh, so like, don't get used to this, but two weeks in a row, I've ended early. I'm looking at the clock right now. So yes, you can, yes, you can applaud for that. And then go home and pray for more of that if you want. Um, uh, um, uh, so let's, first, let me say this. Um, if you have your kids in the ministry, uh, in one of our children's ministries, just maybe linger around here, build some relationships, invest in some people around here because they're probably not done with their children's uh, program and they're sure not used to me ending uh, early. So uh, give them a chance to, to finish their ministry. And if you're new here, if you're visiting or you and I have not had a chance to meet, I'd love to just uh, shake your hand, meet you. I'm gonna be right over here by these uh, tables, kind of that living room area that you see over there and uh, would love to meet you here this morning. And if, and if you're going through something in life right now and just would love to have someone pray for you, I want to invite you. Uh, we've got some wonderful people in our prayer place that would love to uh, pray for you here this morning. Why don't you stand and let me uh, close us in prayer early. Yes. Let, let, let me pray. Let me pray. Father, I just, I thank you for scripture and I thank you for Paul and what you did with him. And I sure do thank you for all of these people. And just I, my prayer is that you bond us and connect us and help us to feel that beautiful partnership that we have through you with one another in what it means to, to make the gospel something beautiful and good for all the people who hear it. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.